I was grateful today to be able to speak to a lady called Tracy Maxfield, who has um, a lot of knowledge and personal experience when it comes to mental health and has actually written a book as well about her experiences of going through depression. So what you'll hear next is the interview with Tracy. And I want to thank her very much for being uh, open and very transparent about her mental health experiences. So today, I'm here with Tracy Maxfield, who has a personal story in relation to mental health. Uh, I was going to say good morning. I don't know why I was going to say good morning. What time is it um, where you are from, anyway? In Canada, it is still good morning. It is approximately 10 to 11 in the morning. Yeah. I did get it, yeah, so I did get it right. Well, that's cool then. Anyway, welcome. Thank and, you. Uh, we, we connected on LinkedIn and then and now we're, um, I'm sending silly pictures to you on uh, LinkedIn. Silly being funny, I should say. Um, <laughs> and then we, have, we have a shared interest in mental health. But do you want to um, just describe your own personal story and, and um, about mental health? Okay. Well, um, I've had previous episodes of depression. Um, I, I would say my first episode occurred probably when I was in my 20s. Um, and I had medication for about a year and it resolved and life was good. Then about 10, 11 years later, I had another episode um, slightly longer on the antidepressants, but still um, with counselling and medication and support, I got through it. And then in August 2015, I had what I would term the worst experience ever of depression. And um, this is something that I'm still actually working my way through recovery. They do, uh, medical experts do say that with each depressive episode that you experience, chances are that it will actually become worse because there's that inherent post-traumatic stress disorder, which kind of um, accompanies it. But the episode that I, in, I experienced um, in 2015 sent me down what I term as a rabbit hole. Um, it was such a horrendous, dark, depressive, sad, hopeless experience. But also I experienced significant physical um, changes that occurred with the emotional impact and also some cognitive changes, which was extremely scary because I'd never actually encountered any of those on my previous episodes of depression. And I tried to make sense of it. I couldn't understand what was going on because I'd never had it before. And it was only through talking with other people that I suddenly started to realize that actually what I was going through was normal, unexpected, except they don't put that in the medical textbooks. Um, 
And it was because of what I was going through and also experiences when you're talking to people, their inability to understand that because you happen to have washed your hair and put on nice clothes and you were out getting groceries, they couldn't imagine how could I possibly have depression. I looked fine. I walked and I talked and I was able to drive my car and get groceries. And so I couldn't have depression because they thought that people with depression would be dirty and unkempt and basically couldn't function and were going around with poor me on their faces all day. And it was becoming actually quite... When, I, um, so when you... How did you find people were treating you when you when you know when you first knew that you had? Um, because I, I want to explain to others that that would listen that there's a difference between um, being depressed and clinical depression. Being depressed, you know, is is a is a state of mind that does yes. not last, but if it, yes. if it lasts and lasts and continues for weeks and weeks and months. Then you and then you can be diagnosed with clinical depression, which is very different. So you yes. weren't just having a bad day. It's, oh, it's no. an absolute, it, can be, it can be inherited as well. Yes. Um, it can be passed down. But, so when you, um, you know, when you start to work out and understand what was going on, how did you find people were treating you? Because you, you say, obviously, we know it as also as invisible illnesses, that if people right. can't see them, then people. there must be nothing wrong with you. Did you have that? Oh, definitely. Um, I would have people... Um, come up to me saying, wow, you can't have depression. You look too good. Um, I, I have been off work since August 20th, 2015, because of my acute depressive episode. And even though I'm now into what we would call a chronic stable depression, um, I also was then diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder because of events that precipitated my my fall down the rabbit hole but people would come up to me and say wow you look so rested you must be enjoying your time off work and I wanted to just scream at them because if they actually looked close enough into my face they could see that there was no life in my eyes. People with depression struggle to find the life in their eyes. There's no light there. And if they actually stood still long enough to actually talk to me, listen to the tone in my voice, look at my body language, you can, at that point, you can see that something is not right. There is something going on. But of course, in our society, people very rarely take time to actually stand there and make eye contact and talk with the person. So were you trying to, did you feel that you could explain to people or were you put off by trying to explain? Because often sometimes we who have mental illnesses can judge that people will judge us so then we don't talk, but not everybody does. But did you find it difficult to explain to people? Um, I, I was always very open about it. Um, what I found was people's responses varied. You'd have those that understood because maybe they had a family member or maybe they themselves had gone through depression. Others didn't know what to say. And so they came out with 
almost inappropriate comments. And then you had some that truly believed that you were lying and you could not have depression and would say things like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you you have depression? Um, well, you must obviously, you obviously must have the mild variety because really, if you had true depression, you, you shouldn't even be out in public and things like that. And with those people, you just don't even want to get into it anymore because you get so frustrated. And because you have so much negative self-talk going on in your head, sometimes what they say resonates with you and you actually start thinking, well, maybe I don't really have bad, bad depression. Um, And then you know yourself, the more you allow negative thoughts into your head to percolate, the worse you start becoming and it spirals. And the next thing you know, you're lying in a corner in your bedroom, just wanting life to be over. And so, how are you feeling when you know you know you knew at the end of the day that you had a serious mental health issue that was very very real? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest to somebody that was going through that that it was fine and they were going to be okay tomorrow because I've got empathy because I you know I've been in a similar place. But how does it? I mean, obviously, I'm hoping that things like this go to people, the very people that. We want to reach out to those that don't understand. So um, when somebody says this to you, how how does it actually, you know, what feelings go through your mind? I know what goes through my mind, but what feelings go through your mind? It's a combination of hurt and frustration. In some cases, it's anger. And it just, it weighs on you as a person because you want to almost scream at them and say, listen to what I'm telling you. Don't look at how I appear. Listen to what I'm actually telling you is going on in my head. The fact that I want to die. I don't want to keep living. The pain is too bad. And It's because of that, the trying to educate people to have a better understanding and also to say the the right things that I started writing a blog, which eventually became a book that I just wrote because it was, you almost wish that you had um, like a tattoo or something so people would know you had a real medical condition because people... I have a mental health condition, honestly. Yes. And... The thing what happens as well, when, when you... Number one, sometimes you don't believe yourself that anything's wrong. Number two, then you yes. listen to people who tell you nothing's wrong and they don't believe you. And then an employer may not believe you, and family may not believe you, and you start to believe it. Um, and so, it's strange. So, so from there, almost everything that's coming at you is is not to believe, and you do you do actually start to believe in it yourself. The voices in in the head um, just start to say, "Well, not, no, nothing's wrong." So it's often like you can start to push even harder. Either give up completely and not tell anybody, which is why a lot of people withdraw, or actually Absolutely. try to prove 
try to prove that that you yes. uh, you know to prove that you have a severe mental health condition that's been diagnosed and you have a piece of paper that says you absolutely and even my doctor said to me um i was expressing my frustration and she said well it's because you take the time to look tidy and nicely dressed when you go out and that's something that as a brit I mean, this is what we were always brought up to do. You always put on your Sunday best and you went out there and you just got it done. And that's something that's been with me for over 50 years. And so I I had to go grocery shopping. I'm, I could not bear the thought of going there looking completely dirty and smell bad. And with my, you know, hair awry or anything, that's just not me. Other people may, but that's just not me. And I think that's the majority of people with depression is that we are very good at um, presenting ourselves and having a visually appropriate appearance. Yeah. And my, when I was going to see the psychiatrist, my doctor actually said to me, maybe you shouldn't shower that day and find the grubbiest clothes you have and just go there. No makeup, just pull your hair back in a ponytail and just go in sweats. And I looked at her and said, why should I do that? The psychiatrist of all people should not judge you because you bathed and put on clean clothes. And that's when I realized there's a huge problem and people need to start getting their head around the fact that just because you wear a matching shirt and pants and you actually put a comb through your hair, it does not mean you are not depressed. Well, I and, think people would be concerned if I was putting a comb through my hair. They might actually yeah, well. not believe it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a strange thing isn't there I, I inject some humor there, there's a strange thing isn't there? because if we actually went out at our worst and presented ourselves people would probably call the police and be concerned because of because of the state yes. so then what we learn to do is we learn to present ourselves to the public how the public would want to see us because if they saw the other side They'd be worried. So then yes. you present the other side and you need to become a fake, in effect. You learn to hide what's mm -hmm. going on so that you're not judged. And then, in effect, you then judge because you're looking okay. So, so basically, whichever, whichever way you go, you would be judged, but you would be judged in a different way. One, because you're looking okay, so you can't have an mm -hmm. issue wrong. And mm -hmm. number two, you might look like a homeless person or respect to homeless people, but you probably would look like that person because all the basic um your basic needs are not used like so you don't clean your teeth you don't wash yeah. your hair well me i, I don't I'm okay, but you don't wash you, you, you know your clothes are you, you may have slept in your clothes for three days and all this lot but you don't have to present that side either and and sometimes it's frustrating isn't it? because which side do you portray to the public now me i've chosen to display whichever side of me is currently going on at that time but we learn for the public, and it is for the public. It definitely, it is. I'll go out, I'm, I just think, well, I'm going out as I am, but then it presents, whichever way you go, it presents 
you know, issues, isn't it? I was going to say, if you, um, before we go on to, um, obviously, your book, um, when it comes to stigma, do you think that it has reduced? Um, because, you know, um, we are of almost the same era, so we've come through mm-hmm. non-age, you know, all these kind of things weren't around. Do you, do you think it's reduced or getting better? I would say in the younger generation, it's getting better. I I went to a middle school yesterday to talk to grade nine, which, uh, and they are 14 and 15-year-olds. And I went to talk about my book and about depression and anxiety because there were a couple of students in that class who actually were depressed and suicidal. And I was very surprised at how much insight they had and a better understanding of depression. And they actually asked some really very, very good questions, which I think even surprised the teacher. And so I think the younger generation, because there is more emphasis on mental health for them, they they do have a better understanding about depression, about bullying, anxiety, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, definitely, which I, I'm very encouraged by. I think the challenges are <laughs> our generation um, still have that, um, you know, no, you can't be depressed because you look too, you look too good. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's hard because we're in a lose-lose um, battle here. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, because, again, we're a, soci- we're a society where people judge us on how we present, what we say, what we do, and how we look. Absolutely. And that's... There is, there is, Sorry, there's, there is, before we run out of time, yes. there is um, something positive that you've done, though, out of, you know, out of what's happened to you, and, and you've now become um, a published author. So do you want to um, introduce your book and, and also to explain the motivation behind the book and what you want to do with it? Okay. So uh, the book that I've just published is called Escape in the Rabbit Hole, My Journey Through Depression. And it began as a series of blog posts um, encouraged by my my psychologist because of the frustration I was feeling with people not believing and not understanding what I was going through. And so he suggested, why don't I write a blog post, invite people to read it and kind of see the reaction I get and the reaction was actually very positive because I had nurses and doctors and psychologists and friends who would contact me after reading a blog post and say actually I didn't understand you could have that level of physical pain with depression or um, I remember seeing you that day and I would have never in a million years thought that that was actually going on in your head and you went home and you were contemplating suicide. And so it opened their eyes and gave them a better awareness. And so as I got more positive responses, some people actually encouraged me 
to write a book and said, I think if people started reading exactly what you went through and what you were thinking and how you got through that day, it may give them a better understanding about depression. My purpose for writing the book was more to help the person with depression because I, I'm a very um, analytical person. And so I was trying to make sense of what was happening to me and why I wasn't getting well quick, <laughs> as quickly as I would want. And I kept thinking I was the only one that had to be going through this, like the forgetfulness and the inability to perform more than one task and the difficulty with too much noise and too much stimulation and the physical pain. And I thought, oh, my goodness, if someone else with depression is going through this, they're probably just thinking, that's it. There's nothing left to live for. And so I wanted the book to be... Um, helpful to those with depression to read it and think, okay, I'm going through the same. I am not losing it. This is normal. But also to give them hope that over time, it will get better and you will start to see a positive outcome. And I wanted to kind of support and encourage that. I also wanted it to help people and friends and caregivers of those with people with depression to understand what the person is going through so they can be more supportive and not kind of say jaded comments like, oh, snap out of it. Oh, you don't know what true depression is or there's people in Africa starving because that just makes you feel worse. <laughs> you don't feel worthy. Um, and I also then thought, you know, if doctors and psychologists came to me saying, we didn't know that, I thought, well, then maybe it can also help educate not only health professionals, but just people in general that wanted to have a better understanding of what is this thing called depression? What is this thing that can occur after depression called post-traumatic stress disorder? Uh, because they routinely think, oh, well, it, it'll happen to people in the armed forces or post-traumatic if you've been a victim of a violent crime or maybe if you're a paramedic or a fireman. And whilst that is more common um, in people that have that profession, regular people can also have it. And so I wanted to not uh, to enable them to kind of read it and understand what exactly is going on and how you can help these people. But ultimately, it was to send a message to people with depression that you will get better. It, it will. It will take time. There's a lot of work that you have to do yourself and you will need support, be it therapy, um, education, uh, counseling, You'll need medications to start with, and you have to follow what the doctor suggests because trying to titrate your own medications or go in off them because you've had two good days, it's not a good idea. Um, but it's recognizing that as you get better, you will still continue to have bad days where you fall down the rabbit hole, but you'll feel that you have the strength to get out because you know, you know how to do it. Does that make sense? <laughs> It does to me. Um, so how do you feel that now you've done the book? Did you find it therapeutic and, or difficult? How, how did you feel? Um, 
the book was definitely therapeutic. Um, it was difficult in areas because it's very, very raw. And you've read it, Simon, and you know, I, I mean, it's not all um, pink, um, puffy clouds and sprinkles. I, I describe exactly how I felt, what I felt was going on with my brain, how I felt about myself, the the, you know, the suicide attempts. And so lots of people who've read the book find that those areas difficult. Um, when the book was first published, there was obviously a little bit of reluctance and fear because I'm literally putting myself out there. It is my heart and soul and there are no secrets. It's like it is there in writing. Um, but because of the positive responses that I've received um, and the very encouraging messages, I know that I did the right thing. I knew there was a reason why I wanted to do this. Um, people said to me, are you sure you want to put it out there? It's very, very honest and raw. And to me, in order for um, everyone to understand and those with a mental health illness to truly feel supported, I think you actually have to bear your soul, much like you're doing yourself, Simon. The only way sometimes for people to truly connect and know that there is someone that's been through it and can truly support them is to just put all your cards on the table and say, this is what it's like. This is what I did. Yeah, because I think, I think we both understand that when you, if you, for instance, raising awareness in, in, in whichever way you're doing it, um, if you still remain in that place where you hide a lot of it, it doesn't really, ex it, you know, that's probably why people go, it's not that bad. But so unfortunately, when you write a book or you write a blog or you speak at a school or like me, you do videos, mm -hmm. unfortunately, Pete, um, I've realized that the worst side needs to be out there or else we contribute then as people who were, who were exacerbating the problem and showing that it's actually not that bad. You know, to be fair, if we are all looking, you know, I get told, but I'm so eloquent. I run marathons, so I, I can't be ill, which is comical because I've just spent, you know, most of this year in bed um, mm -hmm. and I haven't run a marathon since, since you know, October 2016. Um, but I guess that people see the bits that they can deal with. And that's the simple bits. Then, yes. you know, and I've said to people, we probably, as people who have mental health conditions, have a responsibility to unfortunately show the worst, like the worst of other illnesses and conditions are quite easily shown. People embedded hospitals, hot operations and people being cut open and things like that uh -huh. are shown. For us, um, because you can't see it, we actually do need to show the pictures of us when we're unkept or uh -huh. explain what happens or show us falling apart or else actually, you know, raising awareness doesn't, I realise that, you realise that. Um, and, you know, I would certainly, and I think you would, encourage people as difficult as it is, uh, do we, even doing these things, um, the more people that do speak up via some way, via any way possible, um, not to normalise it because it's not a normal thing and I don't know what normal is. I've never seen normal. However, I think it will create more conversations and, and probably people will feel that they can start a conversation because more people are talking about it. Whereas at Definitely. the moment, there's all these people 
one in four. So we all know somebody who has a mental health condition, yet we still don't talk. You still got to go through a hundred people. Um, when out of that hundred people, there should be lots of people who have actually got a mental health condition, which probably means at the moment we don't even talk to each other. Uh, never mind people who don't have a mental health condition. No, I agree. But, um, just to finish off, because we could we could go on and, and on and on because you know we're passionate about these about these things. Um, I, I just uh, want to personally congratulate you for the book. I hope it's um, a huge success, and it will absolutely already have helped somebody. It helps you know you know me because again I have depression as a part of PTSD, but I don't separately have um, depression kind of thing. So. You know, as you know, none of us are the same, no matter That's what right. condition we've got. Mm-hmm. We're all different people. I treat everybody as an individual person. You know, your book has given me insight. It's difficult for me to read, um, but, you know, I've got to know you slowly. And I wish, you know, I wish um, you more success. And may there be more of people like you who are, you know, I say unfortunately, but for, I actually say fortunately are putting themselves out there because it will it will stop a death somewhere. That's that's the bottom line of these things. It will stop a death. So, Absolutely. Um, thank you. Thank you. No worries. Bye. Bye. I would just like to thank Tracy again for um, <clears throat> doing this podcast with me. Her book is called um, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, and you can find it on Amazon. And just read the dedication. This book is dedicated to those who succumb to the darkness, who survive the darkness, and who are fighting the darkness. So if you can, go and grab this book. It is well worth a read.